Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 41. My name is Damien Ross, and besides being the host of this podcast, I'm also the publisher of a digital nomad magazine called Rootless Living. I just wanna remind everyone listening, after the episode, you can head over to rootlessliving.com and grab a free digital subscription to the Rootless Living magazine. And also don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. On this episode, I'm talking to John and Kathy, the duo behind Inspired We Go. And today we get into their own personal transition to the RV life. We discuss what it's like being a camp host. And also they have a very unique RV cooking show. But like always, before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right, with that, I wanna welcome John and Kathy to the show. How are you guys? Good, thanks. We're very good, thank you. Awesome. Where are you guys right now in the world? We are in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Nice. And do you guys consider yourself full-timers, part-timers, or some-timers? We're, we're full-timers. Awesome. And what are you guys traveling in? We're traveling in a Grand Design Solitude 310 GK. I have had quite a few. I mean, I'm a Grand Design owner as well, and I've had quite a few Grand Designers <laughs> on the show. It's almost starting to turn into a sponsored by Grand Design. So if Emily, Tommy, if you guys are listening, <laughs> there's a lot of Grand Designers that are coming on the show. When did full-time start for you guys? October 2018. Well, let's go back before October of 2018. Where were you guys living? What were you guys doing for a living? And then let's even talk about the size of your house. I always think that's kind of interesting. So let's go back to before October of 2018 and tell me about your life. So we were living in a suburb of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I worked full time for an irrigation control company doing their financials and marketing. We lived in about a 2,500 square foot townhouse that we only used basically the first floor because the master bedroom was on the first floor and we had a loft for our computer on the second floor. So we really only used our bedroom, the kitchen, the living room, dining room, and that loft. And we had three, it was a three bedroom townhouse with three and a half bathrooms. And we just looked at each other and thought, this is really big for two people and three cats. What were you doing, John? I was working full-time for the same software company that I work for now. I'm just transitioned to remote working. Were you, so you weren't remote working back before you went full-time? You went into an office every day? Yeah, I commuted. Most of my job was remote anyway, even though I was in the office. So it was an easy transition. How is it not having a commute? Was that a bad commute? Long commute? It wasn't bad. It was a straight shot down 19, about 20 minutes. That is not bad. Yeah. I mean, originally from Los Angeles, anytime I hear people have to leave their home and go to work, I'm like, oh, that's a good 90 minutes, no matter where you are. This is a much easier commute. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Now let's go into a little bit into the travel life that you've experienced. Did you guys have any experience with RVs before you guys got started? No, I don't think either of us have. No, just a couple of weekend trips with family, but nothing that we owned or towed or drove or anything ourselves. And you guys jumped into a big boy. Like, how long is your fifth wheel? Yeah, 35 feet. Oh, actually, that's pretty decent. Yeah, that's actually a good size. I'm at 42. And there's times where I look around here very much like you did in your townhome. And I'm like, you know, we could cut a little feet off of this. This doesn't need to be this long. 35 is a good sweet spot, I think, for a fifth wheel. What's that been like? What's that been like for you guys pulling that, backing it in? How's the marriage with the backing in the rig? We're pretty good at it. The tow vehicle and the camper. We have a backup camera. We have a system. We're fairly, it's a fairly healthy marriage, even when we have to back into a site, I would say. Yeah, it took a little bit of getting used to, but we learned quickly. 
Yeah, I would feel like this would be a good like relationship test for anyone that's like, you know, courting or like thinking about getting married to spend a year in an RV and like have to back in. And if, if you can get through living in small spaces and backing up a big rig, you're fine. You're golden. Like there's nothing that'll hurt you guys moving forward. I would agree. So I want to talk about your transition a little because even though I have had people on the show where it's been fast, I feel like you guys really sped up the clock. When did the idea for going full-time in an RV hit you? It kind of grew from a little seed, I suppose. We have a cooking show, Veg Inspired, on YouTube, and we kept talking about remodeling our kitchen. You know, that transitioned into looking at different types of houses, and then maybe we would buy property and buy a small house or a manufactured home because they have beautiful kitchens now. And then we were both like, well, we don't want to be stuck in one place. What if we did the RV thing? The seed really started like burst apart and started to grow in about March of 2018. And then by July, we were meeting with our real estate agent. We'd already looked at campers. We were pretty sold on the fifth wheel that we bought. Uh, We knew we wanted a fifth wheel. And so July of 2018, we met with our realtor for the first time to tell her, listen, we're selling our house. This is what we're doing. My goal was November 1st. I wanted to be on the road November 1st of 2018. That is a lofty goal to sell a home, get rid of all the stuff, downsize and get into a rig. Were you as shocked as I was? I mean, I I went to an RV show not to really necessarily look at new RVs. I, I went to get an idea if I bought something and wanted to gut it and remodel it. It was kind of my thinking at the time. And as soon as I walked into the rig I have now... I couldn't believe I was inside of an RV. Like I literally like, this is nicer than my condo. This is so weird. I didn't know if you guys had that kind of shell shock moment or if you'd seen them and knew to expect getting inside of one of these things. Yeah, I think it felt right for both of us right at the beginning. Yeah, looking at all these RVs with a pretty spacious living. They're just a lot lot bigger than they seemed. (laughs) What we really liked, especially about our specific rig, was the kitchen. It I mean, it really provided a good backdrop to continue filming those recipe videos, which was one of the major reasons that we bought a rig with an island, because we wanted to be able to have a place to film those videos. Gotcha. Yeah. And they really are like remodeled kitchens, like from the get go. There's very little you have to do. And they're like show quality, ready to go. It, it, I still can't believe it sometimes when I'm walking around. I'm like, I can't believe this is a, an RV. Because everything I thought about for an RV was not this at all. Right. That's the same feeling I have. And every person that walks into our, our RV, when they step in the door, they're like, wow, you have so much space. <laughs> every person. It doesn't matter if they've owned an RV for years or traveled full-time in an RV or own an RV right now. They, they walk in, I think it's the opposing slides in this model, but every person is like, wow, this is huge. <laughs> Which makes us feel good because we, you know, we live in it. So for us, it it just seems like a normal little house now. But to hear people say that, it reminds us that we picked the right one. Now, let's go back to because you, you brought up some kind of good points in the, the idea of you had all this space. I mean, three and a half bathrooms is a lot for two people. You know, what I mean, like that's just that's a lot yeah. of options. And <laughs> I feel like I, I've talked about in this show, I don't mean to be a broken record, but If we did this younger, if we did this like out of high school where we live small and live light, I think it would live with us 
forever. I think it would change us because for me, transitioning was difficult in a way. I had to get rid of stuff, but I was getting rid of stuff I hadn't used. What was the transition for you guys going from that much space with that many things I can assume and then having to downsize into a fifth wheel? We had a short amount of time. When we met with the realtor in July, she said, okay, this house has to be staged. You have to get rid of stuff before we can take pictures. And that was really the moment when we both said, we get rid of everything we don't need. We, I mean, everything. I mean, we don't need a couch. We don't need three beds. We don't need a, two desks. I mean, it all has to go. So in order to stage the house, we moved it all into the garage. We had a two-car garage that we both parked in. So there wasn't a lot of store. There wasn't anything in there until we put all the, our belongings into it. And with every piece, every item, we just questioned, is this something we're going to need? Is this something that holds value? Where does this belong in the spectrum of going with us, selling, donating, or storing. We knew we were going to have to keep a storage unit because I have a few heirloom pieces of furniture that I did not want to get rid of. And my parents were also moving, downsizing and moving out of state at the same time. So they could not take my stuff to hold on to until I wanted it back. It was really a question, every item. I mean, every every gadget, every kitchen gadget. I mean, we were avid cooks in the kitchen. So we have tons, had tons of kitchen gadgets. Every one of them had to be, do we need this? Do we want this? Is it cheap enough that if we decide we want one later, we can replace it? What's the weight? So as we were downsizing and as we were deciding what we were bringing, we boxed everything up and weighed every box. Cargo weight on your camper is a big deal. And so... At least it, it was, it's a big deal to us. So every item, you know, we had to decide, is that worth the weight? So we do have some unique items that we brought with us, right? Some items that John couldn't part with in the kitchen. What are those? We have three of them. Yeah, we have some mochahetes that weigh quite a bit. They're perfect little mortar and pestle for grinding spices and then one for guacamole. And then we also have one for freshly mashed salsa. So if anybody needs to eat, you know, tacos with us, we'll hand make the guacamole and salsa for you. <laughs> now I'm starving. For the most part, though, I think we just had a good minimalist mindset and we were willing to part with anything and everything. And it, it is difficult. I mean, I just interviewed someone where they said something that like it, it paused me for a moment where she was saying she was holding on to this stuff as family heirloom type stuff and they didn't want to have a storage unit. So they were trying to find places for it to go and nobody wanted it. And here she is holding on to it for all these years. And there was things she was holding on to that she couldn't even really sell, you know, that she ended up having to donate. And I like, that was really eye opening where I'm like, I bet a lot of us do that. We have these things that we, that are very important to us, but really nobody else cares about. And it, it's difficult to like have that realization, but it is really freeing to get rid of a lot of the stuff. How's been that experience for you guys? Once you realize you had something that one, you're not using, you're not going to use, there's no reason to have it. Let's donate it. Let's sell it. Let's get rid of it. Has it been freeing for you guys to have less? Definitely. It was very freeing. In fact, I think we were in the camper for about six months and we did it again. We purged a lot more stuff that we quote thought we needed and then ended up not using we're in Chattanooga for another couple months, but I see us doing another purge before we leave here to really clean everything out. It just makes everything seem lighter. 
There's more space in the storage bay in the basement. There's more space in the closet. You just find as you're living this minimalist lifestyle that you don't need as much as you thought you did. Yeah, we're going to have to go through that. We're getting solar installed in the next uh, month or so. And obviously that's going to be a lot of battery weight, a lot of panel weight. So now I've got to figure out what I'm getting rid of. But I'm actually kind of excited about it because I think I've put some systems in play, you know, some post-its notes, turning my hangers backwards, things of that nature, that if those post-it notes are still there and those hangers are still backwards, that's stuff I haven't used. Right. Those are great tips. Yeah, clearly. I, you know, I, I'd like to keep my man card, but I'm pretty sure I learned that from an Oprah Winfrey episode, maybe like 20 <laughs> years ago. But like I was shocked when I did the first time I put all my hangers backwards in my closet January 1st. And I remember like Christmas Day, I couldn't believe how many of my clothes still had the hanger backwards, which obviously meant I never wore it. I never took it off the hanger. Right. It's those kind of things that you guys find and, you know, figure out. Now, let's uh, transition to work a little. So it sounds like, John, you were able to go with the same company, just move to remote. And then obviously you guys have kind of hinted about the cooking show. But what are you guys doing for uh, work while on the road? Well, like I said, I'm with the same company that I was with in Pittsburgh before we left. I pitched them uh, working remotely actually just before we decided to take off. I think I gave them about a month's notice that we were taking off and uh, pitched them on working remotely and they accepted How's it been with them? I mean, I feel like when I talk to people that there's either two rules of thumb, especially if you're already working remote, you can't do this if you're in the office, but if you're working remote, it's almost like keep it secret until you've done it for a while and then say, Hey, by the way, I don't live in my little bricks and sticks, you know, a state away from you anymore. I'm driving around. What has been their kind of transition with you as you're working while traveling? I was pretty much a business as, as usual. Most of my work was remote anyway, other than being physically at the office to walk down the hall and talk to someone. Other than that, it's been pretty remote anyways. What have been some of the pros and cons? What is it? You know, I always like, it's hard to ask this question, but I'll try to do it is for me, I felt I became a better employee when I was actually working for someone I was on the road. But I always, I feel like the assumption would be I'd be a worse employee because I'd always be kayaking or bungee jumping or, you know, jumping out of an airplane now that I live in an RV for some reason. But how about you? Do you find yourself more focused, less focused? How's that been? I could definitely focus on things uh, better here with less distractions, I guess. For me, what was really funny is one time I had a boss, uh, I've talked about this on the show where I was telling her that I have like still like eight days of vacation days and there was like two months, but it was kind of our high season. So I didn't want to take, you know, a week off. And I was like, what if I just take the next eight Fridays off, which would be really good for an RVer that kind of has to stay stationary during at the time, my nine to five. So I thought that'd be cool. I'll work Monday through Thursday. And then, you know, we can leave Thursday night, get to campgrounds, be, you know, trying to check into a campground on a Saturday. If that was my travel day, it was just a nightmare. And I remember, I mean, it's still with me today where she was like, but it's like you're on vacation anyways because I live in an RV. And I remember my response was quick. Like, do you think people that live in Hawaii are on vacation the entire time? Just because that's where people go for vacationing. But there is this weird, it's either this side where it's like the boss hates it or this side where the boss just doesn't care and do your work. But it's very few in between. It's like very extreme on both sides. It's funny to me. I'm glad that it's, it's working out for you. Kathy, how about you? What are you doing on the road? So when we left Pittsburgh, I transitioned to part-time with my with the company I was working for remote, um, doing handling their marketing and things like that. And then we decided mutually in December of 2019 that it was easier for them to have somebody 
on site to print documents and handle the in-office marketing pieces. Since December, I have been focused full-time on Veg Inspired, which is our cooking channel. And then Inspired We Go, which is our travel channel and blog. And then I decided to try out work camping this summer. So I'm actually work camping right now for a KOA. I work about 20 hours a week and I love it. I love the stories. I love meeting people. I've met some awesome fellow travelers, people who, or just people who work weekend camp. It really has been a great kind of break in our travels. With that being said, I now know that I am a traveler by heart. And being in one place for an extended period of time makes me antsy. So I don't know if work camping is something I will just hop from job to job. But it was nice to be in one spot for these six months and kind of explore and meet new people and try something new. Now, did you have the work camping kind of idea before, you know, obviously the the country got shut down because of COVID? Or was that, you know, hey, if we're going to have to stay in one place, I might as well do this. So I actually accepted the position here in February before the country really was shut down. But I will say that it was a blessing to be able to call the campground and say, hey, we still want to come. Do you have a place that we can, you know, are you still accepting work campers? Are you going to be open? And she said, I don't know what the future holds, but you have a safe place to park here. So we actually arrived a few days before my contract with them began. And we were able to quarantine for 14 days. And then I was able to start right away. And so it really has given us a nice safe place to be while all of this is all this COVID stuff has unfolded, you know, across the country. The campground's taking a lot of precautions. So it was, it was nice that their laundry room is by appointment only, meaning only one RV family can be in there at a time. Talk about something that's like, who knew that would be a blessing, but to be able to use all four washers and not have anybody interrupt you is, is amazing. I actually find some of the stuff that's in around COVID that I'm kind of like, I hope they keep this like moving forward. (laughs) I know it sounds, but like, that's one of them where I think that would be really cool because I always feel like we go there and then there's, you know, four things in the wash and I don't know how long they've been done. And now what do I do? Do I move them? You know, I mean, my old condo had a rule that, you know, you waited 15 minutes and then you could move them kind of a thing. But it's those things that are, and I'm a big guy that kind of likes my space. And so I've enjoyed the six foot kind of rule. And, you know, those are things. Plus I love the gyms are closed. I have the best excuse right now. It's like amazing. So there are some things that I'm kind of okay with. So how long is a contract? Does it vary? Because I don't think I've had anyone on that is currently work camping. I've had people that talked about that's something they might do at some point. But what's a contract kind of time frame that you can negotiate? What's the least and what's kind of the most? So this is my first work camp experience. Um, but what I found, I went right through the KOA work camp website. And what I found was they do vary. This one started in April and ends at the end of October, which they consider their busy season. And I guess at the time, I probably could have said, no, we want to leave that area in September. But now that I'm in it, I wouldn't, out of loyalty, I wouldn't ask to leave early. And I enjoy it. And this this area is beautiful. I mean, the, the weather's hotter than I thought it would be. I thought it would be more mountain air. But 
other than that and being antsy to move, I would say a six month is about, seems about reasonable. It's basically the summer season. And then I guess the winter season from what I'm hearing in the office conversations starts mid-October. So there's a, a bridge when the summer people will be here and the winter people will be arriving. And that goes until the middle of April or the beginning of May. So it seems as though it's about six months. I have seen some positions offering three to four months and then others that offer 12 months. Something that did surprise me about the KOA positions is that some of the KOA campgrounds are corporate owned. And so one of the positions I applied for was a nine to five job, 40 hours a week. And that surprised me. I didn't expect it to be so corporate mindset. Another thing that surprised me was a lot of the campgrounds wanted two people. They wanted you to work as a buddy. So it would, the example I was given was I would be in the office checking people in and John would be on the golf cart, escorting them back, making sure that sites are cleaned, things like that. Since he works full time, he wasn't available for that. So I stopped applying for jobs that, you know, obviously wanted two people because we didn't have that to offer. And that's how I ended up in the office here during the day. So they've actually worked with me. So I don't usually work hours outside of when John's working, which I'm sure offers him less, even less distractions from his work because I'm in the office and not in the camper. That is really interesting. Yeah, I didn't think about that. They would probably want the buddy system. They know you two will work well together already kind of a thing. And that totally makes sense. Do you think it's something you'll do in the future outside of the, it sounds like the six months was a little bit of a stretch for you, but outside of that, would you do it again? You think? I definitely would. I definitely would look into it or consider it again. Um, especially if it were in a location, not that there's anything wrong with this location, but a location that afforded maybe a bike ride from the campground. In this location, we have to kind of drive to any exploration or adventure activities that we want to do. Um, we have stayed in some KOAs where we could just hop on our bikes and there was a trail right across the street or right behind the park. I would definitely consider a work camp position where the things we'd like to do would be as on property or as close to property as, without having to drive every time. Yeah, I was at a thousand trails when COVID kind of lockdown hit. And at the time, my rig was eight feet from the lake. And oh. I, I really did kind of count my blessings. I mean, I was really like thankful and grateful and even said, I can't believe this is where I'm stuck. If I had to use the word stuck and, you know, don't hunker down. I think it is a good transition to the next subject matter I like talking about, which is exploring. So when you guys aren't working and when you're not traveling, what are you guys doing? What's your kind of a, a venture spot? What are you guys like going out there and doing? We like to hike, so we look for national parks or state and local parks. Those are often forgotten. Our first adventure where we really started adventuring, we found some local parks and county parks around Fort Lauderdale, and we had a great time. And at that point, we were both kind of surprised because I feel like everybody focuses on the national parks, which we are trying to go to all the national parks. But I think sometimes we forget the state and local and county parks as, as options. So we try to get out and do that. We have bicycles. And we like to bike fairly flat terrain. I mean, I wouldn't say that we're aggressive mountain bikers or anything, although our bikes do have nice fat tires. And we are foodies at heart. So we always look for unique restaurants that we can try um, in the area. 
as well as breweries or wineries or something fun like that, just to kind of get off the campground. I do think that a lot of cities and towns don't realize that RVers are really looking for the unique restaurant spots. Like we're not, I mean, at least most RVers I talk to, they're not trying to find the local chilies and right. it's, it's a great outreach. Like I just, even when I get to a campground and they have one of those little maps, I'll look at it and open it. I'm always surprised that it's the chains that are advertising. And I'm like, you guys have this great opportunity. You know, I do want to go to the, you know, taco shop kind of hole in the wall. Like, let me know about it. And that's the great thing too about, I bet you get some good insights with people that have been there long-term and, you know, especially talking as people come in, people that have probably come back to the area and finding these little gems. The idea of being able to get out and hike and bike. It's funny to me living in Southern California I didn't do it. It seemed like more work to go do those things than it does now. Again, I've never lived eight feet from the water in my entire life. I've stayed on the beach in Texas. I've never lived on the sand before. It allows those activities to come so much easier when you don't have to do a lot to get to the activity. I think that's where a lot of people get burnt out, you know, and you have to load everything up to then go. The loading up kind of sometimes burns people out. Tell me about this show you guys are doing. So we started Veg Inspired about six years ago. It's a blog. And then about two years into that, we started filming our recipes. So I guide people through the recipes. All the recipes are plant-based. So we use a lot of whole ingredients, no animal products, no dairy. And we still pack in the flavor. And we use a lot of traditional cooking techniques that are just modified for cooking plants. So I guide people through our recipes and I use similar techniques that you would use if you were cooking meat products, but we also eliminate oil. So a lot of times I will show people how to saute in veggie broth instead of oil, or I can show different methods for cooking cauliflower or how to use the chickpea juice from a can of chickpeas to make a salad dressing. So it's, it's about using whole ingredients and trying different grains, trying different vegetables to really add more plants. So my whole entire goal with Veg Inspired has always been from day one to inspire people to eat more plants. It was never about making people go vegan or lecturing people on their health choices. It was really focused on inspiring people to eat plants. I wanted to show them how easy it was to make plant-based foods and how easy it was to eat plants and create delicious recipes using whole ingredients that they could find anywhere. One of the interesting facts were things that I found while traveling, because when we were in Pittsburgh, I had access to Whole Foods and a cute little health food store. And now that we're traveling, we don't always have access to those places. So our recipes have shifted a little to use... Uh, more common ingredients, or I place an order online for ingredients that I might not be able to find shopping locally. So that's been something interesting that we've found on our travels. And it actually has made our recipes a little bit more versatile because I can say, well, if you can't find soy curls, use chickpeas. Or if you can't find this tahini, this tahini brand will work too. So it's it's helped me really reach the people that might not have access to the same types of health food or whole food type stores that I had access to before. 
That's awesome. I'm full confession. I haven't really talked about it at all, even in, on my socials or to even a lot of friends. I went plant-based about six weeks ago. My only cheat was I went to sushi with uh, Mark Leach from Keep Your Daydream while we were in Elkhart. And I just, I love sushi. I couldn't pass it up, but I've done really well getting rid of meat out of my life. I thought, you know, it would be really, really, really tough. And it hasn't been nearly as tough as I thought it would be. Whole 30, I felt, was a lot harder. Getting rid of bread and tortillas and cheese, at, you know, all those kind of things at the same time was really tough. I thought giving up cheese and a plant-based would be tough. It hasn't been. It's been really, you know, and I had no idea there was this thing called jackfruit, you know, that you can make taste like a pulled pork sandwich. It's so bizarre to me and it's been really great. And and this has come from probably being a little stir crazy and just going down a rabbit hole on documentaries on the food industry. And I was like, all right, I got to make a change. Something's wrong. A lot of these things are saying I'm feeling, I mean, I'm not sick, I'm not unhealthy, but I kind of see, you know, if I keep at the pace that I'm going, that's probably where I'll end up. And I did it the same with you. I just wanted to introduce more vegetables in my life and see what would happen. Try to do it for, at the time it was four weeks and we've blown through that. And I'm going to try to finish up the whole year and see where, you know, and then reevaluate come the new year. Right. I just find that I enjoy the flavors. I didn't really know I was missing them. I didn't know that broccoli without butter had such a good flavor or that jackfruit, like I had no idea what jackfruit was before I went went vegan. And ironically, I was the heels in the ground. I'm not giving up burgers. I'm not giving up cheese. You're not taking away my buffalo wings and blue cheese dressing. And John would say things like, no, we're not going to take them away. We're going to just change the way that it's presented. You know, you're going, we'll try cauliflower with buffalo sauce and we'll figure out a vegan blue cheese. And, and as we introduced more plants, we just found that it was, as you said, it was, it was not what you expected. And I think coming from that position of, I don't know that I want to do this has made me a better educator in that plant-based movement because I've been where my clients and my, you know, my followers have been. I know what that feels like. I know what it's like to sit at the table when people are eating that juicy burger that, you know, I have yet to be able to really replicate where like the juices drip down your, you know what I'm talking about which it kind of grosses me out. But at the same time, I didn't give up meat because I didn't like meat. I gave it up for ethical reasons and health reasons. And I've been able to make some really awesome veggie burgers that I feel like I'm missing nothing. But I've been in the, the shoes of the people that you know I'm, I'm working with. And I think that that helps that I've gone through that transition. John, were you plant-based before or her or some reason? I mean, I just, I don't know why I caught that vibe, but is, is that the case? No, we both kind of transitioned at the same time. I was the cook for the most part. That kind of helped Kathy along too, so. It was his idea though. He read the articles that led him to research the plant-based way of life. And so it was his idea. And so he, he really guided the journey. And as he said, he did a lot of the cooking in the beginning. So it was kind of like, if you're not going to eat this, what are you going to eat? <laughs> but the recipes were all delicious. So I really didn't have an argument. Yeah. So far, the meals have been phenomenal. And I really thought, I actually probably thought I'd just be eating a lot of salads too, I think is the, the kind of mindset, whether it's, you know, vegetarian or, you know, just plant-based whole foods. I was really surprised that there are times where I'm eating tacos and I legitimately think I'm eating a taco. Like if you blindfolded me, I don't think I would actually know the veggie burgers, like you're saying, have been amazing. 
And I, I'll just say that for me, I think what really changed me was walking, watching these documentaries and then just learning a lot about corn and the corn industry. It's not like a boycott of it. It's just that I can't believe how much corn is being made to feed cows. And you just see cornfield after cornfield. And then as I started really looking into things and I would, you know, be in farming communities and they'd be like, oh, yeah, there used to be 80 farmers and now there's two. But they've still taken over the land of the 80. And it's just this huge corporate. Once you start finding out that seeds are patented and all this weird stuff, you're just like, this is bizarre. I, you know. But I think probably what sold me, and I didn't mean to turn the podcast into a <laughs> co-plant-based, but I think the science behind like a cow, that their teeth and their digestive system are very similar to ours. And we're like complete opposite of a lion's, you know, teeth and digestive system. That to me was like, okay, this makes sense. So I feel like we could probably market a cow to start eating red meat and become a carnivore. We probably could the way we've been marketed to, to do that lifestyle, right. but we weren't built for that. That's not the way, you know, we were designed. And to me, that was like, okay, I need to, I need to give this a good look. Well, before we wrap up, there's a couple of things I like to do. And I definitely want to make sure people know exactly where to kind of find the shows and find the blog. I like to do what's called a high low. I used to do this with my kids. I, I brought it into the show because I think a lot of times for a lot of people, they, they only show the highs in this lifestyle. They very rarely show the lows. Now, there are three lows that we can't talk about. We can't talk about flat tires or bad internet or COVID because those things really kind of happen to everyone. But what's been a low in this lifestyle that you just didn't see kind of coming? I guess I wasn't prepared for laundry. And I know that that sounds like an obvious thing. Um, we agreed that we didn't want to put a laundry machine, washer and dryer, in the camper due to weight. As I mentioned before, weight is precious. Cargo weight is precious. And we didn't want to give up storage space for that. And as much as I love being able to throw, you know, go to the campground laundromat and throw in three to four loads at a time, I didn't realize how much of a thorn in my side it would be to lug a wagon full of laundry up to the laundromat. I just, honestly, we joke about it that people have some crazy lows. I think that's my low. I, it's one of the things that just really... I don't know. It's like the thorn in my side. When I realize it's laundry day, I'm like, oh man, it's laundry day. It's really not that bad. But to me, that's just my thing. And then I think my high, oh, I have so many highs. I think my high is being able to go places that I want to go when I want to go and do what I want to do. And so if I want to spend six weeks near my family, I can do that. If we want to spend six weeks parked overlooking the beach, we can do that. If we want to spend a week overlooking the mountains, we can, I mean, we can just pick where we go. And I think being able to have that flexibility and not being tied to one location and commuting to work and all of those things that, you know, the American dream, as they say, I think that that's my high is being a, my American dream is different. I'm able to go and do the things that I want to do when I want to do them and see places I probably never would have been able to see being only being able to go on my paid time off. My high is just, just the lifestyle, just being able to pack up and hit the road and arrive at a new place and settle down and enjoy the new area. Lows are just the, I guess I would say the little things breaking down, like the awning lights and this and that. I don't really have any major lows. Yeah. And that's what comes with the lifestyle. I mean, that's one of the reasons, you know, I kind of want to talk about it is that there are times I've had people talk about, you know, that they really miss people. 
they miss their family and friends and things of that nature or that they're isolated a lot. But I think, you know, you kind of get into it what you put in it. You know, I, I, I know people that feel that way living in a bricks and sticks and it's not any right. different if you're in an RV. But the idea of, you know, if you don't like an area, gosh, it's so great just to be able to slide in and wheels up and go like it's just phenomenal. And it's it's hard to describe and get people to understand, you know, and especially you might find a place that, you know, for me, I'm a city kid. I've lived in big cities my entire life. I didn't realize how much I love rural areas, how much I love small towns and big open spaces. I don't think I've ever would have known that if I just stayed in these big cities all the time. What I'd like to do is make sure people know where to find you guys and uh, where they can, you know, check out the recipes, ask questions, do all that kind of stuff. I'll link everything they say down below so you don't have to write it down, but let people know where they can find you. So for Veg Inspired, we have the blog, which is veginspired.com. And then the YouTube channel is youtube.com slash veginspired. And then our handle is veginspired on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us there. For Inspired We Go, we have inspiredwego.com. We also have a YouTube channel for Inspired We Go. That is youtube.com slash inspiredwego. And then we have the handles or Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Inspired We Go. And then one thing we didn't talk about is we travel with our three house cats and they actually have their own Instagram as well. And their handle is We Are Camper Cats. And they have quite the personality on there and they pretty much rule the camper on the daily, I would say. They're the bosses. This is kind of funny. In the last two guests, we've had seven cats. So I think they have you up on one and they too have a channel for their cats. I will definitely link that down below so you guys can find it. But seven cats and two guests. That's incredible. Plus the two cats Nikki has. So like nine all together in like two conversations. That's a lot of cats, a lot of lives. Well, I just want to thank you guys for coming on the show and hanging out and sharing your story. I'm excited to go out and check out your guys' videos too and maybe recommend some recipes that Nikki can... Actually, I can. I, I miss cooking. I used to cook the meat all the time because that was my background and I feel like I've gotten away from it now that I've gone plant-based. So I'll check it out and see what I can learn and surprise myself right. getting back into cooking. Sounds great. All right. Thanks again, you guys, for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks yeah. for having us. Thank you. Well, another fun episode. And again, a big thank you to John and Kathy for coming on the show and giving us kind of an insider's look at what it took for them to transition to full-time nomad. And it's always fun talking to fellow plant-based eaters. Dang, I miss bacon. If you have any questions for John or Kathy, feel free to reach out to them at the links in the show notes. Also, just a friendly reminder, if you're enjoying the Rootless Living podcast or the magazine, make sure to let your friends and family know by sharing us on your favorite social media channel. It's a big help in getting the word out. And if you use the hashtag rootless living, we'll share it as well. And like always, if you think you know someone that might make a good guest or that guest might even be you, please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com. And let's see if we can help tell your story until next week. Stay rootless.